This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. This week on the program, Evie Mason and UW Leah break down another 0-2 weekend for the Washington Huskies. After holding leads going into halftime in both games, the Huskies fell behind in the third quarter and were unable to mount a comeback. Evie and Leah talk about adjustments that could help them secure that first elusive win as they welcome the Arizona schools to Heckhead. This is Pick and Roll, part of the 4th and Inches Network. Hey Husky fans, welcome back to Pick and Roll from the 4th and Inches Network. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is UW Leah and Evie Mason. And yet again, the same old story. We have an 0-2 week. Um... Arizona, excuse me, the LA schools came to heck ed. Washington was competitive in the first half, had a lead in both halves uh, before a third quarter in both games really doomed the Huskies to uh, that elusive first win in conference. So Evie, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what what was your initial takes and, and what did coach have to say about these losses? Um, so... I don't know. It just made me (laughs) so frustrating because it literally looked like exactly the last time that they played these schools. It's literally the exact same thing that happened where like they had the lead. Maybe it wasn't as big, but they still lead even a lot of momentum. I noticed I noticed they did this thing where it's like they have they might start off slow a little in the first quarter, but then they get a lot of momentum going in the second and then for some reason, they just cannot keep up with that momentum. And, you know, while the other team seems to like elevate it once the third quarter comes around, hitting all their threes, hitting all their free throws, which are things that we don't do, don't turn over the ball every other possession. So, yeah, it just, it was like, you guys are literally do like, you, you didn't like, nothing clicked to like make you. <laughs> maybe get revenge or something. I don't know. It was just like, it looked very similar to the first time they played these two teams actually kind of look similar to every game they've played so far, but yeah, that's my take. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Similar take. Um, They had all of the motivation in the world. USC particularly was a team that I felt clearly in our last podcast that Washington had the upper hand. I felt, I feel still feel like we're better coached. Um, still feel like we are every bit as talented in terms of just being able to defend better than we showed on last Friday night. Um, and just, it's another frustrating thing to see a local kid not put on purple and gold, but go to USC, which does not support female athletics and Mm -hmm. have basically the night of her life at Hackhead. Um, and watching Washington falter after halftime, it's kind of a pattern that we've seen, um, I just, I would love to see us tweak some offense for ourselves to be able to combat the zones that teams are throwing at Washington after halftime consistently. We're, we're showing a lot of stagnation offensively defensively. The pressure is always there. I feel like that's always a tenet of Washington basketball that we're able to rely on, but unfortunately at offense, we're just lacking the flow. I feel like every game I've watched there are a minimum of three shot clock violations 
probably more I'm underestimating. That's not something that we track statistically, but that's just a guess. Um, and so what I'm looking for is someone to step up in the big game situation and to take charge offensively of, and just take the, the game over when it needs it. And I'm not seeing that yet. I think we have a couple of candidates in which to do that. Um, I saw in the UCLA game that particularly in the first quarter into the late second quarter, UCLA was doing a pretty effective job at denying Lauren Schwartz the ball. She actually was able to create quite a bit in that game. And when she got loose, she kind of went off for 12 points in the first half. And then Washington just, again, stagnant on offense after halftime and Charisma Osborne and Amari Thomas went off. And despite the fact that, you know, we only lost by nine, that's not quite indicative of, I feel like UCLA was clearly in the driver's seat after halftime, they raced the lead, they got a lead, they did not relinquish it. So, yeah, it felt like in both games, uh, I mean, they had a multiple possession lead going into halftime. And the third quarter, it's it's really interesting. The third quarter, you look at USC, um, Washington was not able to stop and uh, uh, Jordan Jenkins. And, you know, they went off for 24 points in that half. Um, you go over to the UCLA game, they couldn't score nine points, like you mentioned, uh, pre-show in the third quarter. And those were the quarters that set up for a fourth quarter where there was absolutely no momentum. Uh, it didn't look like there was a lot of buzz in the gym at that point. And with a young team that's learning how to win, that, that is trying to learn how to win, not having that momentum on the home court is going to be uh, disastrous. Mm-hmm. I really feel strongly that they, they started out really well against USC, forcing a lot of turnovers, forcing an early timeout from USC. And even like after USC made that initial adjustment, Washington was still very competitive. They lost the lead. They got it back a couple of, you know, there was a lot of score changes, sorry, lead changes back and forth. But after halftime, USC with Jordan Jenkins, with their um, multifaceted post players were able to just decimate Washington to an extent that we just could not recover. And um, UCLA has superior guard play in Charisma Osborne, even when she's injured, which she is. Um, and she just went off and so did Amari Thomas. And so, um, yeah, such is life. It's almost like, I swear to God, it's like they're like cursed in like the third quarter because it's it seems like wherever they are, they could have the lead, they could not have the lead, they could be tied. It's like wherever they are, they like end up screwing it up, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge for the coaching staff now is to anticipate a really stringent zone and what are we gonna do to to kill that zone? Who are we gonna put in? you know, after halftime to make sure that we get that spark, to make sure that we get, we we don't see an eight minute lull in field goals. Mm -hmm. And if we are getting really good shots and not hitting them, making sure that if that happens, that we are getting to the free throw line to see the ball go through the basket. But those are the kinds of things that I'm not seeing yet. And I would love for the coaching staff to try and, um, you know, rig their way through these quarters where it's just that, I think every possession that goes by that the Keskies don't score, they lose confidence and then they try and force things. And that's what leads to turnovers and easy points the other direction. So what we've got to do is my challenge to the coaching staff, if they're listening is to try, I'm sure they are, but like, we know that the other team is going to give us a zone. We may not see a zone as much this weekend, particularly on Sunday, because Arizona state 
plays a Chris Gobrecht style defense because their coach, Charlie Turner Thorne was a grad assistant at Washington when Chris Gobrecht was the coach here. And so they, they play a very hard nosed physical tough man-to-man defense, which actually plays well to Washington strengths because there's a lot of switching and you can catch people um, out of rhythm defensively and you can also drive and get to the free throw line. So um, there may be a chance, but everyone knows that Washington doesn't play well against a zone. So they may, you know, throw a trick up their sleeve and throw a zone at us. Who knows? But Right. And kind of to your point, Evie, about that and Leah as well, where Washington seems to go in with momentum at half. They, they've made a lot of shots right at the buzzer to put them up. Uh, a couple of baskets and uh, that's, that's where I wonder about, um, you know, if, if the, if, if the town, ta- if the athletes just aren't there to be able to um, make adjustments at halftime um, that is, that's, that's one thing, but uh, I just, I wonder there are shooters on this team uh, the flex that they run against man is relatively effective. Uh, I haven't seen anything when it comes to getting the zone moving uh, and having to to rotate uh, happening. And, and maybe that's because you know the 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 couple times where I've seen them try to make skip passes across the court, they've been uh, just horrible passes. Because I, I think I feel like the zone is also uh, it's almost like a matchup zone in the sense that. Uh, they're really pressuring the ball and Washington just doesn't have the ball handlers to deal with that. What can, what can they do? What, what, what is a, what is one thing the coaching staff can do to try to help uh, whether that's put in some sort of a zone breaking uh, guard heavy system um, or, or, you know, get it into uh, Mulkey for, uh, for a relocated three, I, I guess I, I'm just grasping at straws here. That's another thing. Uh, like just me personally, I keep noticing, sorry, I don't want to go off track, but with Mulkey, they, I remember mentioning early on that, oh, you know, why don't they just feed her the ball? She, you know, she could put it up anytime. And I feel like they still haven't necessarily figured, like they, She's been, um, she's had some really good games, obviously, but I feel like overall as a team, they haven't really figured that out yet either. We had a really good weekend again in uh, hosting the Oregon schools a month back where Nancy Mulkey coming off of the LA trip was really effective. And one thing that I would probably encourage the coaching staff to emphasize with the kids is when you are facing a zone, one thing that makes the zone adjust without really doing much is a really emphatic pump fake that can make the zone just adjust a little bit on their on their toes to make the pass a little easier and get kids open before the zone adjusts. And I'm not even seeing that. I'm seeing, as you guys can probably tell on, you know, Evie with live and Trevor on TV, you can see these lazy passes in the zone, yeah. which does yeah. nothing except kill time and kill clock and make it so you have to heave up a three with a second left on the shot clock that doesn't draw iron. So what I'd like to see is just a more concerted effort to mix up the lineups. Um, not always have Mulkey in there. Maybe you put um, Alexis Whitfield in the middle. Maybe you put Darcy Reese at the top of the key so she can heave up some threes. Clearly posts getting threes and open looks is a big part of the offense. Those are things that I'd like to see. Um, but basically you have to hit your, you have to hit your jumpers 
to get the defense to get out of a zone. You have to hit your distance shots. And if you're not even willing to take them, and I don't see even that, I don't see a willingness to take a um, free throw line jumper, which is always a soft spot in the zone. So I love to see that. I love to see that in drills. I don't, you know, so that's, that would be my recommendation to your point, Trevor. Uh, yeah. I want to echo that at that point you made about, you know, the lazy passes and then that like, you know, running at the clock and then them having to like throw something up. I swear to God that happens like seven out of 10 times in the second half. I mean, I wish that we could track, maybe, maybe I'll just do that. Like, yeah haphazard of just tracking how many times that Washington gets, um, a shot clock violation. It's just, it's marked as a team turnover. It doesn't, no one gets credit for that turnover, but most of the time, if you see a team turnover, that's probably what it is. So, um, I, I do think that, you know, the, the cohesiveness and the, you know, the team energy is definitely there. I see talent on the horizon. I see a lot of improvement from the kids, but like I said, last week, as much as winning is a habit, so is losing. And to break yeah. the losing habit, you have to win one time. And I'm not sure I see it this weekend. I do see the possibility of it next weekend on the road against California, but the Huskies are going to have to play well and know the Huskies, you know, they're playing some teams that have everything to lose both Arizona and Arizona state bracketology predicts them to go to the tournament. They do not want a quad four loss at the same time. Sometimes that creates tightness that creates, um, you know, they know they have to win and they don't play as well because they put so much pressure on themselves instead of just playing. Now they're tight. Washington has uh, like nothing to lose and the Arizona schools have everything to lose. Mm -hmm. So they should be able to play like, you know, they know that they, those kids need to need to win this game. No one expects Washington to win. So like, again, like the mindset has to change of just like, just, just have fun, play your best and see what happens. But because I just feel like maybe they maybe they listen to the podcast and like we're filled with too much confidence going to the end, end of the SC game because I felt like especially in the second half, they just seemed so tight and they had no reason to be sure. So, hope they're listening because we really yeah. do care about this team. And, and right? even with all the losses like this team is, is it's, it's frustrating to watch them lose, but they are really fun to watch. They're really fun to watch. There's a lot of people out there who really love and support them. Obviously, we're, we're some of them, um, even despite the fact that the Huskies have not won a game in conference yet, there's still a reliable 1,500 to 2,000 fans a game, which definitely shows that if Washington wins, the fans are there. You can see from the Seattle Storm, who a lot of those fans come to Washington women's basketball and the Storm, there are fans here who want to support a winner. And as soon as you win, fans will come, but the, you got to win. 100%. So. And this weekend is... Uh really going to be a tough, a tough weekend at heck ed. You have the Arizona schools, obviously the Arizona wildcats, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, but then you have this Arizona state team where they beat Arizona, they beat Oregon. Uh, they're pretty hot. I thought uh, at the beginning of the year, I thought this was, you, I would circle this as, uh, a, a good shot at a win. And, uh, Man, yeah, I, think I was this wrong. Is the first time I'm not going to be one and one. I think I'm going to go zero and two this week. I I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, I would just say to my point earlier that yeah. Arizona State, and so is Arizona to, for the most part. They're both very much physical man to man teams. Um, and Arizona State, while they're a very physical defensive team, they can go ice cold shooting. I've seen it. I've seen it for years, especially this time of year. 
where they, where they're kind of like, where they're, where they edge Washington is that they just have, they're so deep. They usually have like, I don't know, 12 to 14 kids a game that get time of five plus minutes. So they tend to be pretty well rested. Um, Arizona conversely, although they have a very robust team that no one's particularly injured, they really only play about seven to eight to nine kids, but everyone contributes. So, um, yeah, I mean, it should be a very exciting game to watch in the sense of like, it's always fun to see a really good team play. Um, I, I would expect Arizona to not have too hard of a time against Washington, but I also think that Washington has the ability as we've seen on their home court to just make a game of everything. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised to see both games be close. Um, but, um, you know, Arizona definitely, um, has the potential to make a very deep tournament run much like last year. I don't think they'll equal last year's, um, finish, but I do think I do see them making a pretty deep run in the tournament. I mean, you kind of hit it on the head there, but, um, I think, you, you know, these two teams have everything to lose. So, you know, weird, weirder things have happened, you know, <laughs> we don't have any pressure on us, but, I, I need to see it to believe it at this point. What else? What is, what is the coach saying in, in her, um, in her press availability in midweek? What is she saying? Like, that's any, a little bit different from what you've heard last week. Like, how is she projecting confidence and faith in the team right now? I know she does, but like, what is she saying that, um, that you can kind of like that, like just a carrot for you as far as like, as a writer, like, what are you, what are you hearing from her? Right. That again, that is that it's been a little difficult too, because like, I'm not blaming her, but a lot of the like press conferences have sounded pretty similar because a lot of the outcomes are kind of similar, but he did mention that they are going to try to, you know, or they have the potential to um, kind of bring it to Arizona. Arizona's, you know, I think, are they ranked sixth or eighth? They're eighth because they lost to ASU this okay. week. Yeah. She mentioned, you know, just figuring out like, that I might have mentioned this before, but still kind of meshing together as a new team, um, figuring out. She mentioned how she did. Um, you did mention this point where the um, they do kind of have it figured out somewhat defensively, but they've been kind of you know not finding a perfect match offensively. She did mention that. I think those are the main things I picked up mm-hmm. from this past. Um, I think that her coaching efforts are being recognized around the conference as just, um, you know, this is definitely the best conference in women's basketball and the PAC 12 is absolutely the most competitive it's ever been. Um, so the fact that she's not getting blown out in every single one of these games, like right now, bracketology predicts that there are seven teams going to the tournament and guess what? Guess who's not on that list. Washington state. So seven teams, not named Wazoo are going So that that's Stanford, Arizona, <laughs> Arizona state, Oregon, Oregon state, um, Utah, and Colorado. Are Which is all... crazy because Washington state is eight and five in conference. That's correct. But you know what, when you lose by 53 points in your home gym, things happen. So Washington state for sure knows what they've got to do. They, they probably have to be, they have to go undefeated this weekend to make a statement to the committee that, this team's for real. They, they absolutely are capable of doing that. Right. But you know, when you lay an egg in Pullman in a game in which you score 30 points in the whole game, 
Like you're going to get passed over by some other teams that are playing better ball right now. And I think that that's probably the challenge that their coach is giving them right now of like, you want it, prove it. Let's go. That's, that's an so. excellent point. Mm-hmm. So what are you watching for this weekend in the Pac-12? Um, well, the big the big matchup is going to be Sunday. Uh, Stanford goes to Eugene to face Oregon. Oregon just fell out of the rankings. They got uh, they got nipped by Oregon State on Sunday. It was a very close game. Of course, I picked both Apple Cups. Sorry, Apple Cups. Both of the, <laughs> the Civil War games incorrectly, and they're not calling that anymore anyway. So I'm sorry, but like I picked. I picked Oregon State. Uh, I picked each key, team to win on their home court, and they didn't. They, the beat, they each yeah. beat each other on their on each other's home courts. So I was like, "Dang it!" Um, but that's the big one: is Cal faces Oregon State in Oregon, and Oregon's going to be on Sunday. That's going to be a heck of a game. I will be traveling that day. I will be flying to Mexico, so I will not be watching that game. So please Ew. watch it for me. But um, that's the big one. Um, I believe the LA schools host the mountain schools and UCLA's first game in Pac-12 play was at Colorado in which they lost. So I would look for UCLA to play a much better basketball game against Colorado. Colorado at that point was undefeated in conference and in their whole season. Um, and Utah is kind of my surprise because I was, I was kind of pegging them to be near the bottom of the conference, but they've completely changed their outlook on like what they focus on in their team. So they used to be much more defensive minded and now they're definitely more offensive minded. So I'd expect them to play very well in the LA schools. Um, of course, Arizona schools are in Washington. Um, and yeah, I think that about, that about covers it, but the biggest game for sure is going to be Arizona. Sorry, not Arizona. You know, Arizona at Washington State also is going to be a very good game because, again, like that's a game that I think last year I I feel like Arizona lost to Washington State in Pullman. I want to say I could be wrong about and I feel like I predicted it not to like toot my own heart. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington State pulls that off. But I do think that Arizona definitely has better players and doesn't want to lose again in consecutive weeks. So I would expect them to play very well. Um, and then ASU always really well coached, you know, their coach has a flair for the dramatic. She likes to wear acrylic nails and really short skirts, which you'll see on Friday night. So, um, and she's a product of, you know, Washington defense where she coached um, under Chris Gobrecht for many years and um, she's adopted that defensive style. So it's certainly kind of a throwback to the Washington days of, of old to see her team play defense. But um, in terms of Washington, I cannot disagree with you. I think that the game on Friday night is going to be very physical and hotly contested. I think that Washington probably loses by 10 and by that, I probably mean more like 19. Um, <laughs> and then Sunday night, I think, is going to be a little bit more of a just a <clears throat> knockdown, drag out fight. This is the first time these guys have faced each other because the Arizona games in Arizona got canceled due to COVID. So Arizona State um, is super hot right now. They may be coming off a loss in Pullman, so they may be really motivated to beat the Huskies. And if that, if, if they lose on Friday night, I don't see the Huskies having much of a chance at all, but if they win Friday, they may, you know, overlook Washington. Who knows? They may be cold. Who knows? I think that it's going to be a little bit closer of a game. I still like ASU, but I think it's going to be a closer game. So I would say like the devils win a close one on Sunday. We'll be back next week to recap what (laughs) happens. Hopefully we get a, at least Uh, one win for this Husky program this weekend, but for now, 
for Trevor Mueller, <laughs> UW Leah, and Evie Mason. Go dogs. Go dogs. Beat Arizona.